Seltzer Kings Podcasts. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Yes, Gavin, we all know Winston loved a good cigar. He also loved starving about 100 million Indians in India during World War II. Yes. The following podcast contains tobacco, swear words, and... Yes, alcohol. Explicit language. Hello and welcome to the podcast that asks a simple question. When you uh, thought that overpriced, oversized, overly stinky cigarette made you the epitome of cool, what the hell were you thinking? I'm your host, Dave Bledsoe, and this is episode number 421, Come On In Boy, Have a Cigar edition of the show, where we talk about that time in the 90s when everyone wanted to smoke cigars. Stay tuned. What the Hell Were You Thinking Podcast is brought to you by Caca de Pedro Cubano, the genuine Havana Roll premium cigar from Fast Eddie's Hot House Humidors. If you're in the market for a premium cigar experience and a bargain cigar price, you want a Caca de Pedro Cubano. Our top-shelf blend of Cuban tobacco, by way of Belize, produces a smoking experience described by Cuban aficionados as... Sabe a mierda. With a bouquet relative to what the Cubans call... Piesucios. Caca de Piero Cubano brings the Cuban experience that all the brothers of the leaf want to share for a price that is tailored for the estupido gringo budget. Caca de Piero Cubano. Smoke them, if you got them. Haven't we had about enough of this cigar-smoking shit in this country? Huh? <laughs> When is this going to end? When is this shit going to go away? When are these fat, arrogant, overpaid, overfed, overprivileged, overindulged, white-collar, business criminal, asshole, cocksuckers going to put out their cigars and move along to their next abomination? White pussy businessmen sucking on a big brown dick. That's all it is. A big brown dick. Sigmund Freud said, sometimes a cigar is just a cigar. Oh yeah, well sometimes it's a big brown dick. (laughs) With a fat, arrogant, white-collar business criminal asshole sucking on the wet end of it. But hey, hey, the news is not all bad for me. Not all bad. You want to know the good part? Cancer of the mouth. Good. Fuck them. Makes me happy. It's an attractive disease. Goes nice with a cell phone. For most of my childhood, my dad smoked a pipe. Hash, Keith. Uh, no, no, it was tobacco. And it smelled glorious. I know most people think that all tobacco smells like the shit Altria puts in a pack of Marlboro, but pipe tobacco is like cigarettes would smell like in heaven. If there were a heaven, and that smoking were allowed in there. Because even when you're dead you're still not allowed to smoke indoors. Smokers are jokers! It was a whole vibe with the old man. He'd come home after work, have dinner with the fam, and then settle down on the couch with his latest improbable Cold War spy novel. 
You guys uh, fans of Tom Clancy? Packs a bowl of one of the pipes that we'd given him for his birthday or Father's Day or Christmas. It was his thing, and it made him easy to shop for. Then he'd strike a match, touch off his Captain Black's Black Cherry, or if you were feeling frisky, some Peter's stock buy. The whole house would fill up with a sweet aroma of carcinogenic paternal bliss. Because pipe smoking reek of genteel civility and cultured domesticity, urban intellectualism, and just general dadness. Or at least it did back in the 70s, 80s when my dad smoked. By the time I got to college, I had a college friend who smoked a pipe in the early 2000s, and pipe smoking then pretty much reeked of being so pretentious. <laughs> I mean, it didn't help that my friend, and I love the man, he was kind of pretentious, but in his defense, he was a philosophy PhD student, so honestly, he couldn't help himself. I'm not sure when pipe smoking stopped being the iconic image of dabness and became the juvenile affectation of the kind of people who wanted to appear smart, even if they were smart, they just wanted the people to know that they thought that they were smart. I mean, how smart could he be, really? Well, in my friend's case, he was very smart, but the pipe made him look like he was pretending to be smart. And that's probably why pipe smoking today is so incredibly outdated. If you're packing a bowl today, it's weed, and the only people who smoke tobacco are white trash alcoholic podcast hosts too stupid or too stubborn to know what's good for them. Dave. Hi, Dave. Well, there is one subset of tobacco smokers that still stubbornly cling to their image-based smoking, despite of the well-known health-based risks of smoking, but also that the mere act of their smoking them tells people exactly what kind of pompous, arrogant assholes they're dealing with. Have a cigar? Which brings us to this week's topic, that time in the 90s when people thought cigars made them look cool. Before we can get into the cigar fad of the 90s, we should talk a minute about the history of tobacco in general and cigars in specific. We have to. Yeah, I think we do. Tobacco is a plant of the nightshade family indigenous to South America and has been used by humans as far, as far back as at least 12,300 years ago. The earliest users were almost certainly ceremonial, burning the plant during rituals, but evidence of its use as a painkiller and, of course, to relax after a vigorous section of coitus. Excuse me? Sex, the physical act of love. Coitus. Do you like it? The plant was widely exported from south to north on pre-Columbian trade routes and was common in native cultures long across the Americas long before the first European arrived with the gift of Christianity, greed, and smallpox. For me, you shouldn't have. When old Chris Columbus arrived over here to rape, steal, and kill, and enslave for the greater glory of God and the Spanish crown, the indigenous people of the Caribbean islands were twisting tobacco leaves by hand and smoking them, and the Spanish stole it almost as quickly as they stole the people and their land. The name cigar comes from the Mayan Indian word cigar, which the Spanish appropriated as cigarro, and finally shortened down to cigar, which became the common word for shredded tobacco tightly wrapped in full tobacco leaves for the purpose of smoking it. Needless to say, tobacco became extremely popular in Europe, but it did take a little while to get off the ground. Uh, what, what do you do with the leaves, Walt? Lots of different things. <laughs> Are you saying snuff, Walt? Uh, and, and what's snuff? You take a pinch of tobacco and you stick it up your nose. And, and it makes you sneeze. I, I imagine it would, Walt, yeah. Uh, it goes over very big there, does it? Uh, Goldenrod seems to do it over here, Walt. Tobacco has other uses. You, you can chew it or stuff it in a pipe. 
or you can shred the leaves, put it in a little piece of paper, <laughs> roll it up. You, you don't have to tell me what, you stick it in your ear, right? <laughs> between, between your lips. Okay, well, and, and then what are you doing? <laughs> Bob Newhart was one of the fu- is one of the funniest motherfuckers that has ever walked the face of the earth. Snuff or <laughs> dried finely ground tobacco was the first big tobacco product to hit Europe. Snuff was difficult to produce and therefore expensive, so it was the accoutrement of the upper class who took it from tiny boxes and then sucked it up their noses. Cocaine. Glorious cocaine. Well, they hadn't learned about cocaine yet, so uh, they had to use snuff until cocaine came along. I seriously doubt any of you pod friends have ever tried inhaling snuff. I have, and this is all I have to say about it. The most common form of snuff today is dipping tobacco, which is technically snuff, but it's much closer to chewing tobacco. So is that smokeless tobacco, Walt? Go long cut? Nah, it's real easy to use. Why don't you give it a try? Long cut means it packs easy, so it stays put between the cheek and gum. Hmm. Not moving around. Yep, just go long cut. Makes it real easy to enjoy tobacco without lighting up. Got a nice taste to it. Comes in wintergreen, mint, or the rich, smooth taste of new Skull Long Cut Straight. Try them all. It's as easy as falling off a log. For the commoner, or I guess I should say for the rather less wealthy, because tobacco was still really expensive in those early days, the most common form of consumption was smoking it in a pipe. It was an American, Israel Putnam, who is generally credited with creating the market for a proper cigar. Putnam, who would go on to become a revolutionary war hero here in America, was in Havana, Cuba during the Seven Years' War, serving with the English. And he brought a cachet of Cuban cigars back to the colonies along with the tobacco seeds and cultivated them into what would become the most common wrap leaf in early cigar history. After the Revolutionary War, Putnam cigars became extremely popular in the United States, which had long been growing tobacco. Well, I mean, it wasn't like the white people were growing tobacco. Their slaves were doing it. They just kept all the money. By the dawn of the 1800s, cigars were common. Pipes were still the predominant way of smoking, and cigarettes didn't become a thing until the middle of the 19th century. Cigars were always the most expensive way to cultivate a lung tumor, and smoking them quickly became the way for very rich douchebags to signal to other very rich douchebags that they literally had money to burn by puffing on what any observer must agree strongly resembles either a large brown phallus, although black dick is huge and veiny, or an extremely well-proportioned dog turd. One very smelly and one very plump. It is the same way rich douchebags today use wristwatches. You don't need a seven-figure Rolex Brandleton you have a latest fucking iPhone in your pocket, and for fuck's sakes, the watch face is analog, and since you're only 26, you don't even know how to tell time like that, you prepudescent fucking Nepo baby shit stain. Sorry, I'm going to be angry a lot through this show. I should also say the cigars are still used by very rich pricks, but back in the 90s, even regular people were smoking cigars because they apparently made them look cool. You sure about that? I'm not at all. 
I guess in a strange way, this makes some kind of bizarre sense since cigar smoking had long been associated with a certain type of people. Well, for much of history, in their defense, this was considered to be a good thing. However, people like Winston Churchill, Sigmund Freud, Mark Twain, George Burns, Orson Welles, even George Patton, were all deeply associated with their ever-present cigar. And I know I've been ball-busting on cigar smoking all through this show, and it's gonna get worse, but hey, at least we got Hannibal from the A-Team. I love it when a plan comes together. In 1972, a crack commando unit was sent to prison by a military court for a crime they didn't commit. These men promptly escaped from a maximum security stockade to the Los Angeles underground. Today, still wanted by the government, they survive as soldiers of fortune. If you have a problem, if no one else can help, and if you can find them, maybe you can hire the A-Team. famous bad guys like Al Capone use cigars as a personal affectation. Shit, El Presidente Fidel Castro of Cuba was so famous for his cigars, the CIA pondered trying to plant a bomb in one to kill him. That's the <laughs> dumbest thing I ever heard. Oh, please, there were way more dumber things CIA did to try and fail to kill Castro. Probably because of their association with the rich and successful, cigars were also deeply associated with a kind of upper-middle-class asshole that aspires to be an upper-class asshole. And an uncle who was proud of being a JC. Is it Jay-Z? No. No, JC, Junior Chamber of Commerce, which is... Well, fuck, I don't actually know what the fuck they do. From what I could tell as a kid, it was mostly a way for a bunch of dudes in middle management to get away from their wives for the night and smoke cigars and drink scotch. Is that accurate? Oh, it's accurate. But officially, they say it's about leadership training and civic engagement, whatever the fuck that means. Anyway, my uncle loved to drone on and on about the fine, fine cigars he would enjoy while trying to convince my dad to join the JCs, often gifting my father a fat brown tube, which my mother would strictly inform my dad that he could only smoke far, far, far outside the house. Cigars were part of the business image that these kind of clubs, the JCs, the Rotaries, the Elks Clubs, the Shriners, the Masons, the Freemasons, the Illuminati, all wanted to cultivate. They all wanted to be businessmen, so they all smoked shitty cigars. TabanaroCigars.com, one of the many cigar blogs I sourced this show from, had this to say about cigars and business. Quote, Running a successful business requires dedication, creativity, and the ability to make critical decisions. It can be a high-pressure environment, constantly demanding focus and intense concentration. What better way to reflect on the important decisions and the goings of the day than with smoking a fine cigar? Taking a moment to step away from the chaos and enjoy a cigar provides clarity and fosters mindfulness, enabling business professionals to gain a fresh perspective on their ventures. Business and networking go hand in hand and cigars have long been a part of this culture. Cigar lounges and exclusive clubs provide a unique environment where like-minded individuals can connect and establish valuable business relationships, unquote. What a bunch of assholes. Yeah, I'll say so. And I can say from my own paid employment that this is borne out today with the affection and affectation that businessmen hold for those god-awful smelly fucking brown tubes. For the plebeian class, cigar smoking was limited to a few distinct situations. First of all, new baby. 
New Dad traditionally would hand out cigars to all of his buddies he'd spent the mother's labor drinking with rather than holding his wife's hand in the delivery room. You know, back when men were men. Second situation, poker night with the boys. Somehow the act of losing 20 bucks and getting drunk in a finished basement while pretending to be good at poker goes right along with smoking very cheap, very smelly cigars. And then there's winning a war. After you've bombed a country full of brown people with no real air force to speak of into submission, when the president announces end of major combat operations long before he should have on a carrier deck, you gotta light one up. And finally, there's to keep mosquitoes at bay while camping. Which is where I have smoked every cigar that I have ever smoked in my life. All of this being true, for some reason, starting around 1992, it seemed like everyone who thought they were anyone suddenly sprouted a cigar between their fucking lips. From Holtz.com. Yes, it's another cigar blog. Quote, in the dozen or so years leading up to 1992... The end of 1992, to be precise, the cigar business was cold. Yearly sales sales were stagnant around $100 million. Then cigars became cool and sales got hot. What happened? A short economic recession that had begun during the presidency of George H.W. Bush ended in mid-1991. The recovery was slow. Still, the wealthy had not been that adversely affected and were beginning to show signs of spending more, especially on luxury goods. By the end of 1992, Bill Clinton had been elected president and the economy was growing and would continue to grow steadily for eight more years. You know the same, the rich get richer? Well, they did, and they started buying cigars. In the fall of 1992, an idea that many call crazy came to fruition. The first issue of Cigar Aficionado magazine hit the stands. More about them later. Many in the industry credit the magazine with resuscitating or at least propelling the cigar boom that lasted until 1997. Cigars were now part of the good life, unquote. Cigars became the hot new fashion accessory amongst the glitterati. At the same time, cigarette smoking was becoming increasingly the province of white trash. Let me bounce you over to the cigarauthority.com. And I told you, there are a lot of cigar blogs in this show. Quote, I remember seeing cigars being smoked in movies and on TV shows much more than in the past. And being in the business, I wondered why. Even women like Madonna, Demi Moore, Whoopi Goldberg, and Raquel Welch were seen, were seen smoking cigars with pride. That's when I first noticed it. There was an attention on cigars. Movies and TVs featuring cigar smokers like Arnold Schwarzenegger, Danny DeVito, Peter Falk, Robert De Niro, Nick Nolte, Al Pacino, John Hannibal Smith of the A-Team. That was in the 80s, and that's why I put the A-Team further back in the show. Sly Stallone, Armand Asante, Roger Moore and James Bond, Bruce Willis, Clint Eastwood, Jack Nicholson, and so many more. There was a movie called Smoke starring Harvey Keitel and another called Blowing Smoke. This was the cigar boom, unquote. And because Americans are essentially sheep and will do everything they see famous people do, pretty soon every Tom, Dick, and Diane was sporting a stogie and raving about the quality and taste of their Cohiba. You know what? It's not a Cohiba, Jeff. It's a $5 knockoff you bought at a fucking gas station. It smells like diesel burning, and it makes you look like you're sucking on a turd. Don't light that thing up around me, Jeff. And also, you think it makes you look like George Clooney? It makes you look like fucking George Jetson when Mr. Spacely offered him a cigar and then George would turn green. Not the most timely reference. Yeah, it wasn't back in the 90s either. This was back when smoking inside was still a thing. 
So, now along with all of us normal, decent, regular cigarette smoker, you've got a, a group of five pretentious frat boy fucking wannabe shitbags, all named Chad, lining up the bar, ordering a bottom shelf bourbon, and smoking an Arturo Fuente, and blowing smoke in the faces of every dude that comes up to get a shot in a goddamn beer. Well, excuse me, Chad, I didn't mean to interrupt your board meeting here at Dollar Draft Night at Senior Swankies. I hope my presence didn't stop you from making the big deal down at the Isuzu dealership you all work for. Gotta move those troopers, right, Chads? Please, please, allow me to purchase each of you another round of George Dickel. Recognition of your intense masculinity demonstrated by how you grab that phallic object like a horned-up virgin on prom night and suck noisily on the wet end of it. Dave? Dave? How you doing, Dave? I hated this fucking fad. As if this weren't bad enough, pretty soon there were social events for the cigar-smoking class. Quoting now from the New York Times and not a cigar blog, quote, Discovered by men and even a few women in their 20s and 30s, these new cigarophiles are puffing and twirling at more than a thousand dressy smoke-ins held around the country and are seeking out newly opened cigar bars and fine restaurants that welcome them. There, they say, brandishing a cigar is in a statement of cool authority and elegance. It's a status thing, said Cheryl Robinson, 28, the executive director of Lace Cigar, one of New York's new cigar bar executive director. You're a fucking maitre d'. Who herself smokes eight cigars a week and has her own humidor. Some men smoke cigars like wearing an Armani suit or driving a Ferrari. She does it, she says, for the pleasure and the taste. Some also credit the celebrity factor, which gives cigars big-time cachet thanks to cigarocrats like Bill Cosby. Regrettable, David Letterman. Not as regrettable. And Rush Limbaugh, fascist. Regrettable. Others say they are growing in popularity of cigars by enhance, is enhanced by the frisian of vice, I think, of the Prohibition era, said Michael P. Castine, a partner at Spencer's and Stewart, the executive search firm in Manhattan, who was encountered at a recent cigar smoking seminar at Alfred Dunhill, the luxury goods retailer in Manhattan. The people who really resented it banded together to create speakeasies, and cigar smokers are doing the same things. Unquote. And then, oh my God, we got Cigar Aficionado, a magazine in which by assholes for assholes. Ought to have been on the masthead, but sadly wasn't. More from the Times, quote, Whatever the reason, sales have boomed for many cigar accessories, including humidors, airtight wooden boxes that keep cigars moist, cutters, which allow smokers to adjust the draw, and expensive lighters. A profitable new magazine, Cigar Aficionado, has become not only the town and country of the cigar world, but a glossy manifesto of the cigar revolution. Some people think of this as a vile activity, Treat us as lepers, says Marvin R. Shankin, the magazine's publishman, publisher, whom many cigar smokers see as their Patrick Henry. But to us, smoking cigars is a comfort, a pleasure, a time out from the stress of the day. We smoke because it's the most relaxing, pleasurable experience you can have at the cost of less than $5, unquote. Really? Marvin, like lepers... Perhaps the reason people sneer at you for right, lighting that rank-ass stogie in public is because they know for the next half an hour, we're going to have to watch you pretend to smoke it 
while posing with it in the most dramatic fucking way possible and belching for the miasma of fetid foot-smelling papers while some of us are just trying to finish our moons over my hammy and sober up after last call. You are fucking smoking a cigar in a Denny's at 3 a.m., Marvin, not the bar at the Chateau Marmont with Montgomery Cliff and Gore Vidal. What century are you living in? I don't even know anymore. And I said pretend to smoke because no actually, oh no one actually fucking smokes a cigar. You hold it while it burns and you puff on it just enough to keep it from going out. If any one of these pretentious fucks accidentally inhaled, they'd spend the next five minutes coughing like they did a skunkweed bong rick at the Monterey Pop Festival. Dennis Miller. Yes. And they had classes to learn how to smoke. Again, from the New York Times. Quote, Indeed, men are taking courses to learn how to light up. The Manhattan Dunhill Stores advertised its first Art of Smoking seminar for 60 would-be smokers in November and was so overwhelmed that it was scheduled three more seminars. They were so overbooked that four more sessions had to be planned starting next month, and many companies are now scheduling their own private seminars, unquote. You know, if you need a class to learn how to fucking smoke a cigar, you really shouldn't be allowed to play with anything flammable. Fucking watch your grandpa and do what he does. Some of these arrogant pricks would even sneer at you if you smoked a cigarette near them, complaining about how it smelled. Um, bro, could you not, like, light that in here? Because, you know, that smell is, like, interfering with the ambiance that we're trying to achieve. Oh, well, ambiance is everything. Yeah, some of them would say that they were not smoking, but they were savoring or tasting or fucking experiencing their cigar. I say, if you want to experience a cigar, shove it up your ass with a lid in first. Take it easy, Dave. Deep breaths. Look, I'm a smoker. I get it. A lot of people don't like to smell my foul-smelling burnt weeds either. But at least, at least I have the sense of the propriety to know, that, to know this and not expect people to be impressed by my preferred carcinogen. Unlike the cigar dickheads who all fervently believe that the ass-cracked funk of their death tubes are not only pleasant, but somehow enhance their fuckability. I've got some bad news for you, Joshua. No one wants to fuck someone who smells like a bonfire at an odor-eater recycling plant. Like most of the 90s fads, the cigar fad was relatively short-lived. It peaked in 1995 and was basically over by 1998. There are a couple of reasons why I finally, I get to quote from the aforementioned asshole magazine, Cigar Aficionado, which is still very much around and still very much in print publication. <laughs> like fucking the newspapers are fucking dying and Cigar Aficionado is still rolling out goddamn glossy fucking magazines because rich pricks who smoke cigars just love to spend money on shit they don't need. Quote, because hand-rolled cigars are an agricultural product, it takes years of planning and then years of proper care to reach the perfect moment when they can be brought to market. When demand skyrocketed in 1995, the tobacco-designated fuse that year had been planted in 1992 and 1993, years that saw some of the smallest amount of tobacco ever planted in the Dominican Republic. In an attempt to catch up or even meet demand in 1995 and 1996, manufacturers and brand owners just tried to use tobacco 
that was not up to the usual quality standards. In some cases, tobacco was being used in cigars without proper fermentation and certainly without any aging. By the time those 500 million plus cigars flooded the market in 1997, many of the cigars were inferior. Like these poser assholes were going to be able to fucking tell the difference. Plus, they were expensive because raw tobacco, a commodity that had, had soared to record prices. Those commodity prices increased despite the largest crop in the history of tobacco growing in the Dominican Republic, more than 52,000 acres, in 1997. On top of the agricultural problems, the surge in demand for premium cigars, which are handmade, led to a shortage of skilled labor. That meant that manufacturers had to rush to train new people in all the basic skills of cigar making, from tobacco selection to rolling to even apparently more simple tax of box making and packing. As a result of having to use so many inexperienced workers, especially rollers, just to keep up, manufacturers ended up with poorly made cigars that had bad or improperly made prepared tobacco. The collapse of the market was even more dramatic than the boom had been. After five years of uninterrupted and unprecedented growth, the decline was abrupt. Dozens of cigar manufacturers disappeared in Santiago, the Dominican Republic's largest center of cigar making. There are around 140 factories at the peak of the boom, and by the end of 1998, there were fewer than 60. Today, there are about a dozen. Well, there were once thousands of acres of cult under cultivation, fewer than 5,000 acres are being produced, and hundreds of retail cigar shops have closed across the United States, unquote. And oh, just in case you were worried that we might not get around to how this little boomlet is a pure instrument of capitalism. Remember all those people that got hired very briefly to hand roll cigars that weren't trained and didn't really know what the fuck they were doing? Well, they, since they were trained, replaced the skilled cigar rollers who made a lot more money for a lot less money. And those people just wound it up, found themselves, you know, getting poorer, hungrier, and deader. Well, do you think they were going to get a job on the information super highway? But hey, you can bet that somewhere some rich fuck that owned the cigar companies fucking looked at his spreadsheets, saw all the money he'd saved by firing all the skilled people and hiring unskilled labor who <laughs> churned out a substandard product, lit a big fucking cigar, and felt really good about himself. So this, along with the increasingly strident push from the anti-smoking activists, put the final nails in the coffin of the cigar boom. When California became the first state in the nation to ban smoking in restaurants in 1995 and then in bars in 1998, the experience of enjoying a cigar became rather less glamorous. After all, the primary purpose of a cigar was to be seen smoking a cigar, and suddenly, anyone wishing to do so was banished to the parking lot where you could stand in the cold and rain for 30 minutes making believe you were smoking a cigar, or you could have a cigarette in two minutes and get back inside before the karaoke DJ called your name for your song request. As similar bands rolled across the country, cigar smoking was as dead as all of our grandparents from the three-pack-a-day habit and all of us current smokers from our half-a-pack-ish-a-day habit because everyone dies of something. But you know, I have a theory that this wasn't what really killed cigar smoking. Because in 1998, it became public knowledge that the President of the United States, William Jefferson Clinton, had engaged in consensual, if extremely problematic, sexual behavior with a 23-year-old White House intern. We all know that story. And as these stories 
dragged on longer and longer and more and more details became public knowledge for no other reason than the details were extremely horny. Just like the president. And America just couldn't get enough of them. Let me quote to you from the Independent Council softcore porn novel that was titled The Star Report. I'm omitting names because you all know the names and frankly, she's been through enough and is the only person in this story that deserves a fucking break. As reported in the Washington Post, quote, he was chewing on a cigar. And then he had the cigar in his hand and he was kind of looking at the cigar in a sort of naughty way. And so I, I looked at the cigar and looked at him and I said, we can do that too sometime. And then weeks later, he, he focused on me pretty exclusively. He kissed my bare breast and fondled my genitals. And at one point he, the president inserted the cigar into my vagina and then put the cigar in the mouth and said, it tastes good. Now I think most of us have done something similar in our lives. Even the Pope in Rome. Yeah, but in his case, it was probably more of a crime than a sexual encounter. But somehow, somehow the idea of Bill Clinton, a man who many American women had indicated they would fuck and fuck well, using his cigar as a dildo and then sucking it clean just struck many of us as uh Skeezy. Skeezy means super hot, yes. Even your pod hosts found the mental energy imagery somewhat uh, of someone unsettling. And this is the real reason why no one wanted to smoke cigars anymore. Because every time they lifted that wet end to their lips, all they could think of is a sweaty, red-faced Bill Clinton slipping that stogie out of a young woman sopping wet with JJ, slurping it clean, and saying... Oh my god, it tastes good. Oh, so gross, so gross, so gross. And that was it for the cigar craze of the 1990s. I think I'm gonna be sick. Yeah, imagine how Monica feels. That is it for the show this week. Hey, what'd y'all think about last week's show? I know we've been doing the Dallas Boy for a while, but come on. Having Jared on what the hell were you thinking? It was great. Dude really knows his shit about weed. I went out and bought some based on his suggestion, and I got to tell you, I've been really fucking stoned for the past few days. I smoked way too much, way too fast. Speaking of too fast and too much, rate and review this show wherever you get your pods so other people can find us, take a listen, and say, it's really too much, and I talk way too fast. If you'd like to drop us a dollar to keep us in weed and whiskey, head over and over to patreon.com slash podcast and... Kick in a little bit. The Spooktacular kicks off next week and all month long. We're talking about starting with the What the Hell movie night. And I think you're going to love it. And so, for me, Dave, come in here, dear boy. Have a cigar. You're going to go far, Bledsoe producer. Oh, by the way, which one's pink? I never actually knew which one was pink. Gavin and all the fictional cigar aficionados on this show, we want to say, can, can you not smoke that in here? Because it, it really does smell like old man feet. And we'll see you all next week. Respect, I mean,
is just fantastic. That is really what I think. Oh, by the way, which one is pink? What the Hell Were You Thinking stars Dave Bledsoe and features Gavin St. James and several fictional minions. The show is produced by Kimberly Steele and a part of the Seltzer Kings Podcast Network. You can find more information on the show on their website, whatthehellpodcast.com, or on Twitter at thehell underscore podcast, or on Facebook as What The Hell Podcast. Thanks for listening. I have no ending for this, so I take a small bow. One thing about living in Santa Carla I never could stomach. All the damn vampires. Seltzer Kings. Podcasts.